One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Bjorn Borg, and you listen to the Tennis Podcast. Seventy-six years of British pain are over, and the nation has a Grand Slam men's singles champion again. Andy Murray beat Novak Djokovic in an absolute classic, and we'll have a full review here with Ivan Lendl, Mats Villander, Billie Jean King, Sir Alex Ferguson, and the actor Kevin Spacey, all right here on the Tennis Podcast. Well, Catherine, where on earth do we start after all that? The most extraordinary final I think I've ever seen. I mean, maybe it's because I was actually in the stadium at the time. I saw the last four or five games from behind the left shoulder of Sir Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United manager. And uh, and to be in the stadium when Andy Murray won a Grand Slam title is, is a moment that I will personally never forget. Um, and then to speak to Alex Ferguson, Kevin Spacey, Sean Connery and uh, Ivan Lendl straight afterwards as well was just a wee bit surreal, I have to be quite honest. What did you make of uh, Andy Murray's first Grand Slam title? Did you manage to stay up? It must have been, I don't know, what time was it? Uh, I managed to stay up. I managed to keep everyone in my house up with me. Um, <clears throat> and uh, <laughs> Good effort. I was, um, I think I developed about three nervous tics, which I've never, which I've never, <laughs> I've never displayed signs of before. Um, I, I kept on thinking throughout the whole thing, uh, I mean, I think we must preface this podcast with we are both British, so yeah, um, we are. So please excuse just a little bit of um, of, of bias. We'll try, try and keep it to a minimum, but um, yeah, I, I, the whole way through, I was thinking, God, if I was a neutral, I would be enjoying this so much. But alas, <laughs> um, I was just so tense that um, it was it was an experience. Let's put it that way. It was five yeah, hours. I'd have of- to say that. I- I I think tennis probably earned earned itself some new fans last night because I know monitoring Twitter an awful lot of people were um, following it who pro- probably only watch half a dozen tennis matches a year most of them at Wimbledon um, and I saw this at the Australian Open at the start of the year as well people just drawn in to the the combat of tennis and the the sheer quality and athleticism of the two players I mean I didn't commentate on the final but I I know from experience that some of the rallies they were having you, you know they just change the rules of what you're doing you you expect rallies to finish and you you've built to a natural conclusion and crescendo on a point and then you're having to keep going and because they're straining every sinew they're stretching they're lunging they're scraping their feet along the cement and and they were and the thing is Murray and, and Djokovic are so similar in that regard i mean it was it was just extraordinary now before we we get into the actual aftermath and and uh, and so forth. 
I did speak to John McEnroe on the eve of the match and, and he really set it all up for me uh, on BBC Radio 5 Live who've kindly let us have the, uh, the audio from their interviews. And this is what McEnroe had to say. Well, John, this is your city. These are your kind of tennis players that are going to be in this men's singles final. I imagine you're pretty excited about this one. Yeah, I think we all are. It's really could boil down to um, who's got the nerve. And uh, I think Murray's shown a lot this year. He's taken some major strides forward. Of course, Djokovic has, has lifted his level up a couple degrees in the last couple of years. And uh, he wants it bad. He wants to be among the all-time greats. Uh, the crowd's going to get into it. Uh, we'll see if my, my old nemesis, Yvonne Lendl, has really made a difference because this is the exact type of match that he could make that difference. So it's, it's going to be huge. It's going to come down to uh, maybe uh, whoever wins this could be the number one player for the year. Murray's got a shot to me if he finishes strong, wins this, and goes to the O2 Arena and wins that of actually being the number one player. And that's, that's pretty nice. What sort of difference do you think Yvonne Lendl has made and could make in this final? Well, I think that uh, what's happened with Andy in the past with the top three guys, he's gotten a little passive and a little negative. And I think the negative part seems to be out of the repertoire, which is good, not yelling at his box, and that's helped him. And I think his aggressiveness, particularly off the forehand and off the return, has helped quite a bit. So the other thing is that he's kept competing and um, seems to be as fitter fitter than ever. So obviously when they played in Australia, he went five hours, and uh, it's going to be a real battle. I would have thought he had a little bit of an edge because he had the day off. But, of course, Djokovic looked so sharp, so great today. My initial pick was Djokovic over Murray in the final. Now it's, it's a pick em call, but it's going uh, to be unbelievable. Really that close, you feel? You're not even sure now who, who, who's, who you would favor? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I picked Djokovic at the beginning of the tournament. I, I felt like, obviously, he's got uh, more belief when it really boils down to it. But uh, that's why uh, Lendl was hired. You know, he was 0-4, his first four slams turned out to be one of the all-time greats. And this is that moment in his career where he's either going to turn a corner or it's going to be a really, really tough one to swallow for Andy. And, of course, you were the unfortunate fella to be up the other end when he when he turned his career around at the slams, Ivan Lendl, and he went and won eight of them. Could, could you you see him sort of rise almost a couple of inches in height in terms of his stature after that well first of all we're supposed to be friends so you weren't supposed to bring that up but anyway uh, yeah of course if he wins this he's going to be a whole new player I mean he's going to feel differently about himself I think the Olympics helped a bit but it's not all the way there you got to get that slam and this is a, this is even bigger for him than the Olympics I mean I was there at the Olympics it was awesome the crowd really got behind him but uh, this one's going to take it to a whole new level if he can pull it off another one of your old friends Jimmy Connors told me a couple of days ago that he feels Andy has to win this one now that it's really quite critical that he gets one on the board because otherwise it may never happen well, you got me agreeing with my old ne- nemesis and rivals first you have complimenting Lendl and now agreeing with Connor so what's next <laughs> <laughs> but it is like that isn't it I mean but he he is a different player than he was certainly when he played here four years ago in the final well, I mean, listen, sometimes you get lucky, you get off with the first one, you can pull it off, and most of the time you have to learn from a couple couple tough experiences. And you're playing a guy by the name, what's his name, Roger Federer? Yeah, he's not a bad <laughs> player, so he's going to take you to school. And, and, and clearly he's learned. It, his, his final at Wimbledon was the best of all the four slams. He got even better at the Olympics. I mean, I suspect, I suspect he's going to play great tomorrow. He, 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 if he wants to win, he doesn't have a choice. So that was uh, McEnroe, and uh, I tell you, Catherine, he, he certainly got one thing right there. It was, it was a battle. It was, it, it was impossible to know, really, who was going to win all the way through. I mean, even, even when Murray was two sets to love up, I don't think anybody in the Murray camp was really relaxed. 
No, it only took a couple of points, didn't it, for, for uh, or a couple of games for Djokovic to start, despite being two sets love down for him to start puffing his chest out and, you know, really his body language suddenly became <clears throat> so positive and so, uh, I mean, that was that was the big, he was psyching Murray out, I think. I was sort of willing Murray to to do the same back at him, you know, to, to show some 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 positive body language and you you could just see that Djokovic there is I'm sure the semi-final last year against Federer was um at the forefront of his mind being two sets to love down and I in fact I thought on that match point when when Djokovic went for the uh, massive forehand return do you think he was thinking well I, I I made it last year against Federer and I went on to win the match so um so I'll do it again yeah, that 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 forehand on on the match point was certainly born of that kind of belief that I'm just going to go for mm. it, and if I make it, there could be a way back. And and to be honest, when you when I was in the stadium there, and and uh, as I mentioned, I mean I'm only a few rows behind the player box, and Murray was three love up, and when Djokovic got a break back for three one, there was a murmur going around the stadium. As if to say, you know, this isn't isn't going to happen, is it? Surely not. He's not going to come back from here. But but we kind of feel it might, and um, and and really, I think that the, the defining moment of the final was was when Murray suddenly refound his serve, and mm. uh, I think it was at three two, served out a game comfortably. I think for four two, and there was there was suddenly a different feel about it then I, th- I think a lot of it also was well certainly from from my perspective is when he was two sets of love up and you started thinking the unthinkable like oh oh my goodness he could he could actually win this in straight sets just possibly um and then you know he gets pegged back pegged back to two one pegged back to two sets all and suddenly the stakes are even higher than they were at the start of the match because it's either winning it in the most spectacular style or uh, losing it from two sets to love up, and I, I, I don't know if Murray or I, to be honest, would have got over that him losing from two sets to love up. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he was honest enough to admit that uh, that he, in the aftermath in the post-match press conference, that he he doesn't quite know how he would have dealt with that because, and he also was saying he didn't really know how he was going to win during the match, and, and I mean, I think it's rare for a player to feel that, but. Let's be honest. Djokovic was playing well, and Djokovic playing well is is a, such a tough person to beat. I mean, you know, I think the view when he beat Del Potro a couple of nights ago was that he was almost unplayable, mm. and that's how well Murray had to play to stay with him and just win those couple of extra points. I mean, there was that dip in the third and uh, third set, particularly where Murray was going up to the the courts the courtside microphones, and quite clearly. When he was speaking to his boss, he was box. He was picked out, saying, "My legs are like jelly," mm. um, and he was throwing in a few other industrial terms that uh, I won't use here on the tennis podcast. But uh, you know, we could quite clearly pick them up on the radio, um, and uh, and and how how doubting he, he was feeling about his physical condition. And I don't think it was his actual physique that was the problem. I think it was stress just causing him to be so nervous that 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 his legs were feeling tight and 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 almost weary um but i spoke afterwards to to his trainer uh jez green i mean they don't do interviews his team and uh, but i know him quite well and, and he was just saying you know i think from from midway through the fifth i knew i knew he wouldn't let that go away um and uh, and that was the confidence he easy had. to say but how about hindsight. this catherine i 
How about this one? I was uh, I was waiting, as I said, just a few rows behind Alex Ferguson, Sir Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United manager, and I took the opportunity to ask him all about it. Sir Alex, you've just seen Andy Murray win his first Grand Slam title. What are your thoughts? Um, I'm, I'm really proud for the boy. I think it's the hard work, his progress is a, a really top player. Showed itself tonight, and when he really needed it, he, he showed it, and that was that was a real test of a champion tonight to me. What was it like for you to be here and see that with, with his family? It was a privilege. It was an absolute privilege. And I'm, I mean, I, I love tennis. I love watching tennis. But to be involved with tonight was a really special moment. And an 87-minute first set. That's as long as many Premiership I, matches. I, I know, absolutely, yeah. More nerve-wracking than a Premier Division match, I may tell you. Really, was it as nerve-wracking as watching well, Man United? It's a different, different game for me. I'm usually in control of my own situation, but I'm not in control of tonight. So that's uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United manager. He was pretty happy with it all. What was the what was the emotion for you upon uh, upon him actually winning winning the title, Catherine? Were you were you just completely sort of? I was wrung drained? out. I was absolutely wrung out. But I was I was I, if anything, I think I was probably more joyful than Andy Murray. Just looked utterly overcome, didn't he? I don't think he could process. I don't think he could process it. He obviously felt relief. He was very clear about that um, in what he said in all his post-match interviews. But I, I think it's going to take him a little while, isn't it, to to really digest um, what this means. And and I've seen a lot of... Um, obviously, I've been um, monitoring Twitter and everything and seeing what everyone has to say. And obviously, everyone's extremely complimentary of Murray. Um, but a lot of what people are saying is, OK, well, you know, this is the first of many... Um, and I agree that may well may very well be the case. You know, he's got a shot of finishing number one. Um, you know, this is a game changer. But I just think right now that's sort of not the point. I feel this is about Murray becoming a Grand Slam champion. No matter what happens now, you know, he could retire tomorrow, and he is he will always be a Grand Slam champion. And if he yeah, if, if he had gone throughout his career without having that, even if it ends up only being one. He would have been looked back on as a, an underachiever, but so I think I just I just think today is about that achievement in itself, rather than saying, oh well, you know, obviously now he's going to go on and do what Djokovic did last year, or you know, get several of them under his belt. Even though I agree, there's a good chance that that could be the case. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, and I mean the the euphoria in the stadium was was shared, I think, by by a. Uh, anybody supporting him that that yeah this is the first time for 76 years that a, a British man has won a Grand Slam title and I mean he was even drawing in the Hollywood stars I followed Kevin Spacey the actor and director back into the players area where he ended up uh, trying to meet up with Andy I think he managed to get a few words with him and uh, well I certainly managed to get a few words with Kevin Spacey for BBC Radio 5 Live and and this this was uh, myself talking to him you know, I don't think I've ever wanted something more for someone. Uh, it was an extraordinary match. He's been playing so incredibly well. And, you know, for all of us who uh, who are either live in Britain as I do or, or from uh, Britain or, or, or his home, Scotland, um, I, I think the place must just be going absolutely uh, 
I'm nuts tonight, um, but it's so well deserved. You know, he's he's uh, he's matured so much through this game. Um, uh, his level of play, uh, how he deals with uh, tough matches, and, and and the kind of comebacks he's had, and, and the sportsmanship that he displays, um, is just a, it was a real treat. I, I met him for the first time last week, and I've had a chance uh, through this U.S. Open to see him play. And, and tonight was just one of those matches you'll never forget. You're a Hollywood actor and director. Why Andy Murray? Well, you know, I moved to uh, Britain. Uh, Ten years ago, so I, I, I'm, uh, if not an honorary Brit, uh, I feel very close to uh, uh, that country. It's been incredibly kind to me, and uh, and I think that uh, you know this summer, uh, w- watching what happened with Andy with the Olympics, um, you know there's a there's a there's a time for uh, uh, sports uh, greats, and this is Andy's time. Is there anything that comes close in your world to what you've just witnessed in terms of nerves and tension? Yeah, I would imagine. Uh, you know, I mean, look. You know, a- anytime we're getting up and performing uh, and-, and doing something that's live, and you know, it's all always a high wire act. And-, and there are some nights where it goes great, and there's some nights where it doesn't. And you know, you've been in the business long enough. You, you learn to deal with the roll with the punches and-, and and get back up. And that's what Andy's proved. You know, he just gets- keeps getting back up. And tonight, he got back up in the greatest way. He's standing very tall tonight, even taller than he normally is. <laughs> so. He managed to even whip up people who aren't actually British, but uh, you can understand Kevin Spacey has uh, some links to the UK living there. But I think it's the sort of sport, actually, generally. And let's pay tribute to Djokovic here as well. It makes you care about the result. It makes you care about the combatants when they're actually playing that kind of lung-busting, heart-pumping tennis. Yeah, they're like warriors, aren't they? It's like watching some kind of of war film or um, a boxing match or something. It's um, I, I just don't see how anybody could have watched that match and not come out with the utmost of respect for um, for both guys. And and I think Murray has absolutely, you know, maxed out. Um, you know, he he couldn't be any any physically stronger than than he is. You know, he's totally maxed out his his capabilities physically. I think um, he has worked so hard to ensure that that the elements that he can control he is maximising in his game. You know, his fitness, his yeah. his um, his stamina, his um, his agility. I mean, his footwork when the when the wind was was at its absolute worst in the first couple of sets. His footwork was sensational, and he said in his post-match interview, didn't he, that that he he felt the wind was um, to his benefit because Djokovic was quite clearly irritated by the wind, more than irritated at times. And Murray, I'm sure he was irritated, but you did just feel that he he felt, um, look, I can cope with this. You know, I, I I know I can I know I can can hit through this and and work it to my benefit yeah. in a way that I don't think Djokovic was feeling that way. Yeah, I think I think that they were, they were they were both having to make adjustments in the match. I mean, when Djokovic won the 54-stroke rally in the middle of the first set, I think that was the moment that he st- selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello tennis podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Stopped feeling sorry for himself a little bit about about the wind mm. and how unfair it all was that he couldn't play a normal match in normal conditions. Um, and then throughout the match, I think, as I said, Murray had the jelly legs, but he managed to 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 put that behind him. I mean, it's 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 a real achievement to 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 keep coming back from those mini disappointments in the match. And you, I don't think we can underestimate the impact that Ivan Lendl has made on all this because he is a tough guy. He's done it all before. He sits there implacidly. And it was interesting, you know, we'll hear from him in a moment because I managed to catch up with him after the match. But, you know, one of the things that really struck me uh, was when he said that, uh, you know, he was asked, you finally broke into applause for Andy a couple of points from the end. And he said, yeah, that's, that's when he needed it. Mm. And and I thought that's fascinating. You know, he's he's kept this demeanour the whole way through, and it's almost as though he saved it up for when Andy Murray most needs that final push, just to see him believe in him. And uh, and and I, I thought that was just a masterstroke. And um, anyway, as I said, we got to speak to Ivan Lendl afterwards, the man who began coaching Andy Murray on New Year's Eve of last year, and just nine months later has brought him into the point where he's a Grand Slam champion. This is what Ivan Lendl had to say about it. Ivan, put that into perspective, how it felt to you to see Andy Murray win a Grand Slam title. Well, that's why I came on board, to help Andy win. And, um, you know, I, I will go back to the Olympics, as I said with all the interviews with you guys, he already won a big one, in my mind. Because had he lost that one, he would have been saying, or not all of you, most of you, that he's 0-5. And only because he won, he was only 0-4 and still had a duck, as you guys call it. So, uh, but, uh, you know, he won two big ones. It's a fantastic year. I'm very happy for Andy. It's a great achievement for him. And uh, let's hope he can continue and rake up many more. What is the biggest thing you think you were able to bring to his game? I'm not going to discuss that. <laughs> there is, he still has a career to go. He still is going to play matches against these guys. 
Uh, he and if I tell you what we worked on, what we plan to work on, uh, if I dissect any of the matches, I, I'm giving away stuff. And uh, as you saw, the margins are so small that giving away something which would help somebody with two points in the match uh, would be suicidal. So there's Ivan Lendl. He's not the most uh, easy of people to interview, I can assure you. We were all laughing throughout the next uh, 10 minutes when he, he was... Uh, he was turning virtually every question around and making us all look stupid. It's uh, it's kind of like interviewing Andy Roddick, but without a smile on your face <laughs> when you're doing it. But it was uh, it was fascinating to to talk to to Evan Lendl, and he was clearly absolutely overjoyed uh, at at, uh, at seeing Murray finally come through. And um, you know you've worked with him on the ATP Champions Tour at a number of events, Catherine. And uh, I mean, you know what he's like, but he there's and there's no underestimating what he's achieved here. No, he's a he's a unique man. He's um, and very similar to Murray's, Murray in many ways. You know, he he's mistaken for being very serious. Um, he has a very serious demeanor, sort of a, a very serious public demeanor, I suppose. But actually, behind the scenes, he's um, <clears throat> he's a master of uh, of dark humor. None of his jokes are repeatable on air anywhere. That's probably why he has a serious <laughs> public demeanor. Um, but yeah, and I think they, I, I think he will feel a real sense of of personal achievement, and I think that will be very important to him because, you know, his life for the past fifteen years has been um, has been golf and raising children and and. Uh, I think this must be a pretty unique sensation, which most retired tennis players would um, would uh, would be very pleased to have. I think. I mean, it takes a it's taken a lot, you know, a lot of travel, which you know, a lot of these guys have got families and everything. You know, he's put a lot into it, but um, I'm really pleased for him as well that he's he's got this this reward. So what now? What? Where does Andy Murray go now? I mean, the the world is really there for him to to try to win more Grand Slam titles. It's not going to get easier, I don't think, because uh, Roger Federer is still the world number one. Novak Djokovic, we've seen, can still play to that extraordinary level. I'm quite sure eventually uh, Rafael Nadal is going to make a comeback and be competing for Grand Slam titles again. I spoke to another multiple Grand Slam title winner in Mats Volander, former world number one who does think that this could be the start of something big. In fact, he feels that the start took place quite a while ago at SW19. Well, Mats, what I'm really curious to know is, is having seen what you've just seen, do you think this could be the shape of things to come for Andy Murray? Could this be the launch pad? No, I think the Olympic uh, gold medal was the launch pad in his head, and that really is the only thing that matters. And I don't think that we on the outside realized how much confidence he would have gained from that because it, it's not a major. Apparently, to Murray and his team, uh, it was, and now he's got his first real one. And I think that now we can say that he has two majors, uh, and there is no reason, I don't see any reason why he shouldn't go up there in the four or five maybe even six seven uh, major region because he's he's clearly as good as as good as the other three Federer Nadal and Djokovic uh, he can play on all the surfaces and the only thing we've really been holding him back is is, is mentally he hasn't proven it in the big finals and now after two sets to love up this is possibly the worst worst case scenario 
uh, to win your first major is to be two sets to love up, rather be one set all. And uh, he did it. He was lucky early in the fifth set, like he said himself, but uh, physically he, he with, withstood the two weeks. Novak got a little tentative uh, with his uh, leg or hip at the end. Andy seemed to have some problems with his leg. And, uh, and I think this makes all the difference. I really do. You mentioned that, that he'd already proved to himself that he could win a major by winning the Olympics. Uh, in the, you, you, you view it as a major. But what he did here was he outlasted, in the end, one of the most durable, fittest guys in the world, a guy who's been there, done it many times. You know, I think, I think he outlasted him physically, but maybe even more uh, mentally. Um, because after he got, went away in the, in the third and fourth set, you could see the Andy Murray that we've seen uh, in other major finals, other big matches where uh, his creativity is sort of gone. He doesn't move his feet. Um, but as you know and I know, uh, he's a tactical genius, that's for sure. And uh, you never really know what was happening in the third and fourth. Maybe he was resting a little bit uh, maybe he was saving it for a last final push maybe the pressure of trying to be ahead and winning easily got to him and he needed to level the playing field and have uh, and have more to win and less to lose uh, you never know uh, uh, when you get into a situation but mentally I think he's not going to become one of the strongest players uh, of this generation and um, Hey, the work he's doing with Ivan Lendl and his team, they have always believed in him and thought he could win one. I did, but we really didn't know. And I think the tipping point is you have an eight-time major champion uh, who lost his first four finals come in your camp and, and literally look you in the eye and say, I really, truly, genuinely believe that you are going to win your first major under my wing. And that's the difference, really is. Going into to next year, do you yeah. think number one is a yeah. possibility? I think that number one ranking is right there now. He's now going to go up to number three in the world. Uh, Roger Federer is uh, in, in no way uh, on his way out, but obviously he's 31 years old. Um, Novak Djokovic had a great year last year. He's having a really good year this year. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Rafael Nadal uh, is always going to be the major threat on clay courts. Uh, some of it on grass court, not as big a threat on hard courts because of his health. Um, there, I think it's open. I mean, this is a good time for Andy Murray to, nearly the perfect time for him to step into the winner's circle and maybe push those other guys out of his way. Will it change how they look at him? I think it will change how they look at, look at him, uh, definitely. It will change how they talk to him. Um, he now um, doesn't have to answer the question anymore. I don't have to answer the question anymore if I think. You don't have to ask me the question anymore. Uh, but again, he's going to get the pressure back on his shoulder when he gets to Wimbledon. But I think what he's shown at Wimbledon is that he actually plays better uh, at home uh, on the grass. He won the Olympics, finals of Wimbledon. Uh, and it's, it's the pressure he's put on himself that he couldn't really handle. And now he's done that. Now he's going to go home and play, uh, and play his best tennis. And the other guys know he has it in him. Uh, Novak said, you deserve this, uh, when they shook hand afterwards and hugged. And um, I think this is, uh, I don't think they're afraid. I think they're saying, thank you, Andy. Now let's, let's start again. So that's Mats Velander, the former world number one, who is saying there, Catherine, that he thinks Andy Murray is not only going to win multiple Grand Slam titles, he could win as many as eight. As the same way as Ivan Lendl did, uh, and and eventually become the world number one. But and I I think it's it's a big ask to expect him to get that many. But I do think he's capable of winning many more. Yeah, I certainly think three or four um, is absolutely within his grasp. Um, it'd be difficult to see him see him going into the Australian Open as 
not one of the one or two favourites. I mean, how bold are you feeling right now? Do you feel bold enough to make a prediction for end of year number one? How about I put you on I the think spot that's, there? I think that's probably a little bit too far away, really. I think he would need to win... The, I mean, I was talking to Jeg, Greg Sharko, the... Uh, the statistics guru from the ATP World Tour, and I was saying how 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 much would he have to do, and he 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 showed me the the figures for after the U.S. Open, and and Murray's still a good few thousand points mm. behind, um, but there are a lot of points on offer at the ATP World Tour finals. I think Andy Murray would probably have to play a pretty packed schedule mm. between now and the end of the year to get there. Partly because he played a lot last year, he played. Shanghai didn't he and uh, and won all those tournaments over there but uh, you know the end of the year I mean you know that's when it all finishes and it's based on a single calendar year so if he did if he had a pretty busy calendar between now and the end of the year and won a lot it's definitely possible I think probably even more possible at the end of the Australian Open if he were to have a good run between now and the end of that it'd be quite something though if he just put himself in a position where winning the World Tour Finals would put him at number one. You know, it'd still be quite a bit. It would, it would give that event held in London um, quite an edge, wouldn't it? That would make it extremely it? Yeah. exciting. Yeah, that really would be something. So that's Andy Murray, who has uh, won his first Grand Slam title, and uh, Mats Valander certainly feels he has more to come. Um, Let's have a little chat about the women's final, which was equally dramatic, and uh, and what a what a story it was in the end. Five three, Victoria Azarenka uh, was leading the final set against Serena Williams, having turned the match around, and then uh, Serena Williams came back to win it, her first U.S. Open title for four years, and her third in as many decades. It's extraordinary to think about that, mm. but she won her first in 1999. And here she is in 2012, winning her fourth U.S. Open title. And afterwards, I spoke to Billie Jean King, who explained just what an impressive match it had been. I thought both of them was one of the best singles finals I've ever seen here. Azarenka obviously had her moment at 5-3 and didn't take it. And uh, I think Azarenka will learn a lot from this. I think she's going to, next time she plays, will be a different person, I would hope. And she's got her uh, emotions, you know, underneath her now, which she didn't have before. But Serena, right now, is number one in the world, the one to beat. Just incredible when she was down. She won, I think, 11 out of 13 points there at the end. And just the best. Well, Billie Jean King calling it possibly the greatest women's final on the U- in the U.S. Open she's ever seen. That's, that's quite a thing to say. It was certainly the first three-set final for 17 years, which in itself is amazing, that's an amazing Catherine. amazing start, isn't it? That's, yeah, they, they, they were certainly due a good final on the ladies' side over there, weren't they? Yeah, no, they, they certainly were. And, and I think it was, it was a cracker. I really was uh, very impressed with the way Azarenka stood up to Serena Williams, who was playing mind-blowing tennis in the first set 6-2 she took that overpowered Azarenka and Azarenka just refused to go away she that that could be a real rivalry for the next 12 months couldn't it yeah made all the more interesting by the fact that they're they're obviously they're obviously good friends you know seeing their embrace um on the court after the match you know in the women's game there isn't a whole lot of that um and the mutual respect um and I'm certain there certainly wasn't much of that in the in the semi-final between Azarenka and Sharapova um so I thought that was, and, and and Serena's celebration. She was more demonstrative and joyful than I've seen her. I mean that that title seems to mean as much to her as any of her 
her 15 uh, Grand Slam titles, which is which is the, the way yeah. she's kept her motivation um, with all the other distractions and, and um, opportunities she's had along the way is um, is really quite something, I think. She, she deserves, deserves yeah. an enormous amount of credit for that. Yeah, no, I I couldn't agree more. I think it was uh, it was fantastic. Um, it was fantastic performance and uh, and nice to see Serena Williams a little more sort of humble almost mm. afterwards. You know, she was grateful to win the title. She wasn't. She can be sometimes a, a little difficult to talk to in the press conferences, and and I'd, I've definitely noticed a change in it in the last year or so. And she's calmed herself down. No more temper tantrums. She's actually was rec- you know she was actually recognizing that she has had tantrums in the past when things haven't gone, gone away, and she's worked hard not to have them. And I respect that. Um, and I, and I mean I also think we have to pay huge tribute to her for 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 the longevity of her career. And and I think she's got many more to come. I think the the figures of 22 Grand Slam titles by Steffi Graf. Not out of the question. I mean, I know Martina Navratilova is looking over her shoulder. She can see Serena Williams coming up behind and and, um, and taking some of these records. Absolutely staggering uh, uh, hall of titles that that Serena is putting together now. And she's never looked better, in, in my view. Um, so really that's that's just about it from the uh, the US Open it's been a cracking tournament uh, we will now be uh, looking forward to the cl- the crescendo the as Catherine said the build up to the ATP World Tour finals at the end of the year on our personal front we're uh, we're looking forward to uh, the conclusion to the ATP Champions Tour which we both work on and we've uh, We've got the Statoil Masters Tennis coming up from the 5th to the 9th of December. And what a great field we've got too with John McEnroe, Goran Ivanisevic, Mark Filipousis, Tim Henman, Henri Leconte, Pat Cash and Mansell Barami. All these great players already signed up to play at the Royal Albert Hall. And uh, let me just give you a bit of advice. Do go and have a look at the YouTube channel of the Champions Tour, youtube.com forward slash champions tennis. Uh, if you can, and just watch the the one minute video that that, that Catherine has put together of these players uh, trying trying to get people to come and watch the Statoil Masters tennis. It is a bloopers video of the highest quality and absolutely hilarious. So do watch that. Um, Never work but, with uh, animals, children, or tennis players. <laughs> no, it, was, it was very very amusing, um, and. Uh, Andy Murray will go and uh, have his victory lap. I know he's he's off out uh, for a photo shoot uh, near Central Park today here in New York shortly, and he'll he'll eventually get used to the feeling of being a Grand Slam champion. It's probably going to take a while, but um, that's something that will never leave his name. He is a Grand Slam title winner, and we're really pleased for him. Uh, yeah. because he's he's a good bloke and uh, and it was richly richly deserved so thanks for joining us here on the tennis podcast today we'll be back in a few weeks time and uh, we'll talk to you soon blimey o'reilly britain has a grand slam men's singles champion we might get used to it eventually Hope you've enjoyed episode 12. We'll be back soon with more tennis chat and interviews, including exclusive in-depth conversation with John McEnroe, Bjorn Borg, Goran Ivanisevic and Mats Villander right here on the Tennis Podcast. Hold up. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 